Welcome to the Faith Element Podcast for the November 26, 2023 session, focusing on Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 1 through 31. True Shepherd. I'm David Cassidy. I'm Nikki Hardiman. I'm Daniel Glaze. And I'm David Adams. I hope you all have your Black Friday shopping completed. <laughs> because we still have Cyber Monday to go. Has everyone made your purchases for me? All done. <laughs> I believe I bought you everything I intend to, yes. I got the same thing I got for you last year. Oh, boy. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we are in that season of the year. Everything, it just seems like a blur from Thanksgiving all the way through Christmas and into the new year. And here we are. So I have to ask, now that we're caught up in all of this holiday excitement, what are some things that just might get neglected during this season? I have, we have in our family a tradition we do mm -hmm. for Christmas morning where we think about each other through the holidays and we write down affirmations, like five or six affirmations, things that good to say to each other about who they are and how their year has been and what we think of them. And we put them in all in a little cup. And then on Christmas morning, we draw them out and read them aloud. So it makes us all feel good going into the holiday. And it's usually about 1159 Christmas Eve that I remember I'm supposed to write those. And I have this terrible fear that I'm going to neglect to do it again this year, even though I know it's coming. <laughs> Everything else happens. And I just forget to write my things down. And so I'm, I'm always hoping they're not going to be terrible. But that's what comes of neglecting things in the last second like that. Not to be so materialistic about it, but I'm always afraid I'm going to forget someone to buy for someone mm. really important. Like me. Like David. Or <laughs> like I, I'm not going to forget my wife and my children, mm -hmm. but like my assistant or yeah. something. And that maybe <laughs> might even have worse consequences or <laughs> just things yeah. like that. Yeah. I'm I'm always afraid I'm gonna I'm gonna forget. And and I'm not a I, I should be, I'm not a list guy. Mm. I'm I'm like, that is so important. I won't forget it. It'll lock away. And my mind is it's a sieve, really. <laughs> <laughs> it just gets more porous as you age, trust me. <laughs> yeah. Then I'm in trouble. Daniel, I'm a lot like you. I do worry about forgetting somebody on the list. But the reality is when I get super busy, be that holiday stuff or whatever, I neglect to return text messages. I'm real bad about it. Y'all have probably gone and not received a text message from me after you had text messaged me. I apologize. Um, but I imagine that will only get worse through the holiday season. <laughs> So I don't mind if you bug me. I'll say that out, the, out loud. Like <laughs> you can retext me if you needed something and I failed to text you back. Cause it like, it drops down to the bottom and you don't see it anymore. And then you're busy. And anyway. Yeah, but it's so, got yeah. those dots. There's something there. That There's doesn't... so many dots. Yeah, but oh it's wow. So but many dots. The OCD doesn't kick in? No, the ADHD oh. kicks in. <laughs> 
<laughs> which which one is stronger at yeah. which moment? Yeah. Right. No, yeah. the ADHD is always stronger. It always wins. It always wins. It always wins. Oh, I ha- thankfully there is this wonderful thing called auto pay that you can turn on for most of your bills, right? And it just means you don't have to worry about it. And But there are some bills that either I haven't turned that on or they don't offer that. And I have a calendar that I keep all of the due dates on. And I'm pretty good most months of the year about keeping up with it and checking. Oh, yeah, I need to pay that. But during the holidays, it can get so busy that a date can slip by and then you're getting one of those reminder messages that you missed. <laughs> but yeah, I, so it's, it is. It's very easy to for normal kinds of things like paying bills to to slip by, much less more important things like <laughs> who we remember to get gifts for. It is a busy season and tough sometimes to concentrate. Things can get neglected. We have uh, a text today where there may be some neglecting going on as well. David, would you help us get started? Sure. They say that if you want something done, you should enlist the aid of the busiest person you know, since they will be sure that it happens. I think the theory is built on the idea that the busiest person you know is likely to be the best organized and the most focused person you know. How else are they getting all that done? Uh, Lately, I've been feeling like that proverbial person to whom you need to assign tasks. Uh, Between moving to a new church location, doing the work of a particularly busy seminary season, keeping up with family medical issues, keeping my family going, and all that other stuff that seems to keep cropping up, I feel really busy. Even though I'm an avid game collector, I don't remember the last time I participated in a good gaming session, and I have at least 30 games on the shelf that I've not played more than once, if at all. I don't remember the last sporting event I've watched where I didn't have to time shift at least a little to get it all in. I'm so far behind on watching streaming TV that I'm almost afraid to talk about my shows, since everyone else has likely watched them weeks ago. I've even become one of those guys whose wife begs him to leave the house and go out and have fun with other people. And not just because she possibly can't stand the sight of me. I am so far behind on watching Hallmark Christmas movies that it's going to be next July before I catch up. But there's good news. The holidays are upon us. And while this weekend marks an odd Sunday that falls between Thanksgiving and the start of Advent, and pastoring gets busier, and there are final papers to grade, I know that I am not alone. Everyone is busy over the holidays. By now, you're deep into Thanksgiving, but Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Giving Tuesday, Christmas parties, cookie exchanges, tree trimming, and all that other stuff is laid upon us all. It's still pretty fun to be a kid at this time of year, but adults often have the world laid upon them. In the midst of all the potential chaos of the holidays, it can be easy to find yourself so pressured and busy that you let things slip, which causes you to feel an incipient fear that someone somewhere is going to be disappointed with you over the coming weeks. And if you don't feel that at some point, go away. I don't want to look at you. Now, there's a certain sense of comfort and feeling like those things that we neglect may have become such due to factors beyond our control. It's not really our fault that the food was burnt or a present went missing. Well, we're not electricians. 
why trust us to get the lights right? Hey, I'm busy. Give me a break. On the other hand, there are also those times where we might not be so tied up or have other excuses to fall back on. Our scripture passage from today is taken from the 34th chapter of Ezekiel, and while it's fairly lengthy, I think it comes down to a few simple concepts. The people who God trusted to care for God's people proved untrustworthy and took care of themselves. So God is bringing destruction on them, but God will ultimately take care of God's people in their place and do all those things his so-called shepherds should have done and more. I love the way Ezekiel puts this. Woe, you shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat. You clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatted calves. But you did not feed the sheep. You have not strengthened the weak. You have not healed the sick. You have not bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays. You have not sought the lost. But with force and harshness, you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd and scattered because they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with no one to search or seek for them. Now, there are numerous places in Scripture where Jesus and others talk about how people fail God and are often called to repent and straighten out their lives. But this passage specifically calls out on behalf of those who have been hurt, and it follows up with a promise that God will make good on all those things that should have been done. Coming at a time when the relationship between church and state was so tight you couldn't put a piece of paper between them, it falls to God to pick up those so-called little details that people in power had no time to take care of since they were so busy taking care of themselves. And when I read this, I can't help but be reminded of the fact that things haven't improved much since those days. We still fall under the control of people who eat the fat and leave others to starve. We still allow neglect to happen to the weak, the sick, and the injured. And we don't have to think too deeply to come up with examples of times when our response to the least of these is harshness and force. Oh, we tell ourselves that we might not be the kind of people who do those things, but the fact that we allow them to continue to happen suggests that we are. So here we are at a time of year where we have just thanked God for providing us throughout the year. Next week, we're going to celebrate the hope of Christ's coming. We're going likely to pull out all the stops to ensure that this season is just right. But what are we going to do to gather up God's sheep who have wandered away? How are we going to provide sanctuary and safety to God's children, who God loves no less than God loves us? God was not asking for answers or excuses in Ezekiel. When God pointed out that the shepherds were neglectful, somehow, I don't think God's going to accept, I was busy, as an answer or excuse from us either. Thanks for that intro, David. And I, so it, it's interesting that we are reading this and, and talking about sort of these false shepherds and God the true shepherd at this sort of critical juncture in between Thanksgiving and when we start the Advent season. And what it causes me to think about 
sort of as we turn as naturally our thoughts turn to family and friends and traditions etc it occurs to me that there are lots of people in my life not all that I shepherd per se but that I may have some measure of responsibility for or just are are intertwined in, in my own life and at the same time it, we're also entering a season where we try to take care of and give thought to those whom we might call less fortunate. And I don't know where I'm going with this, other than to think we we try to be those good shepherds for others, to provide for them, to help them. But what we end up doing, I think, at this time, which we can debate whether it actually helps or hurts, is we throw little crumbs of grace we spend so much time, energy, money on those closest to us, and then we'll collect a handful of cans for those who are hungry. It occurs to me that, that the times that the Bible calls us to care for ourselves and our own families versus the times Scripture calls us to care for those who are unable to care for themselves, there's a wide chasm between those. But here at this time of year, I wonder if we're more like the false shepherds that Ezekiel starts out with by seeking to care only for those closest to us. I read this passage and I'm like, I hear you, Daniel, what you're saying, but I'm not a shepherd. I'm a sheep. I'm one of the sheep. And in all seriousness... Who is the passage referring to as, well, initially these false shepherds, right? Probably some kind of religious or political leader, but I don't think Ezekiel tells us who they are. So it could be anybody in any kind of leadership position. You could be chair of the baptism committee, or uh, maybe you. Coach of a little Running league on, team. Coach yeah. of a little league team. Yeah, yeah, that's another one. Maybe you're a doctor, and so you're a leader to the people who you're caring for hmm. and the people who you work with. So I think about my wife in this instance because – so my wife works in the graduate department, the math graduate department <laughs> at the University of Kentucky. And she spends a lot of time working with students. Not that's her primary role. Her primary role is an administrator in the department. But when she comes home and we share about our day, the things that seem to mean the most to her that she has spent some time on is when a student came in and wanted to talk. A student came in and needed some advice. A student came in and was upset or scared or worried, and she felt like she was able to play a role and be helpful. And those are all shepherding kinds of tasks. I So I asked the question, who is this passage for? A little facetiously, but I think it, it, it is worth standing back and saying, where in my life do I play a shepherding role? Because there is a call in here for each of us. And I I was going to say, this is particularly relevant for me, I think, as a local church pastor. Mm-hmm. Not only are we referred to as shepherds sometimes, but 
you don't have to read too deep into the news to hear of wolves dressed dressed like a loving yeah. shepherd. Yeah. You don't have to read too deep into the news to find children being hurt. Yeah. Innocence being stolen. Um in physical, spiritual, sexual ways. And I wonder what it might look like for all of us. And I, I know not all of the groups that listen to the podcast are, are Sunday school classes, or but I bet a good portion of them are. wonder what it would look like if we all sought to name within our churches or small groups those people that we want our church to be safe for. Mm. Wait a minute. Let me say that a different mm. way. I wonder what it would look like within our small groups to ask ourselves how we might emulate those qualities of being a good shepherd and provide safety for all people within our congregation. Mm. What policies do we need to have? Mm. What conversations do we need to take place? What extra volunteers do we need to have on hand? What situations do we need to avoid? What people do we need to ask to leave? Mm. I don't know. Did I just take us somewhere we should? No, no. I think there are false shepherds and they do harm. But you're calling us to pay attention to those who are vulnerable. Yeah, I think this passage can be read several ways. It can, it perhaps can be convicting of ourselves that there are times when we have been the false shepherds. And God is saying, I'm not going to let the sheep be consumed. I will take care of them. And then God talks about how God is the good shepherd. I believe we're called to to emulate that. So I, I wonder if there's benefit, not in puffing up ourselves and saying, oh, look at us, we're the good shepherds, but how can we provide safety for the sheep among us? How can we be part of solutions? I think the first thing is to just be honest that there are some people who are not safe in our congregations. That is reality. When I read and I know I'm backtracking a bit, sorry, but I read the words of this passage. And as we talk about that, we've already identified the idea that there are multiple shepherds and multiple people who are in leadership positions who are entrusted with the care and safety of others. And this is really critically important. But as I read this, I sometimes think of it as, okay, you got to read this with a bit of attitude in your voice. Because it's almost like God is saying, I trusted you people to do this thing for me. This is what I've asked you. I trusted you and you've failed my trust. And now I'm going to have to make right the things that you failed to do because you violated my trust. And this idea that it's already a big thing for us as Christians to be able to say, oh, God entrusted me with this or that or the other task. God thinks highly enough of me and loves me enough that God would trust me with this. So to come back on that and then say, to have God say, I trusted you and you violated that, and so I have to fix it. It's very painful to hear. And I, I don't know if we fully understand that so well as to say, oh, yeah, we have people who just don't do their jobs well as leaders of people. But it goes deeper than that when you realize that, no, God has put a trust in you that you violated. 
Yeah, I don't know how you come back for that. I don't know how you could feel about that other than really poorly, really. So the other thing that I'm thinking of here, and Nikki, I don't want to put you on the spot, but recently, it it may have been last podcast or the week before that, you said something like, and I'm going to horribly misquote you here, <laughs> that the, a spirit of individualism mm. is often contrary to the life a gos- the gospel calls us to live. That was pretty good. Uh, I said antithetical, but that's okay, pretty good. <laughs> all right. So I was listening. I, I wonder if this is yet another passage in a long line of them that says where God is telling us we over and over we continue to make our faith, religion, worship, a, a God in me kind of thing, just a life of piety. When God is saying, no, a life of faith is about looking outside of yourself, looking at mm-hmm. others, caring for others, mm-hmm. not just seeking my own comfort, but protecting others, especially those who cannot protect themselves. So I know we were talking about a different passage, but I don't know if you see in this what I would jumping out at me that that individualism is mm-hmm. not the gospel call and it's not the life of faith that God calls us to. No, I agree completely. I think that a life of faith is all about community and it is about sacrifice for the community, I think. Hmm. Not to our detriment as individuals, but just sacrifice for the greater good. America is much more concerned with ourselves as individuals and our success as individuals. And even though like that whole, I pulled myself up by my bootstraps kind of thing. And I don't really think that anybody is a self-made person because we all have people behind us who have helped us. But that whole way of thinking that I take care of me, you take care of you. That's just, it's not gospel at all. It's the opposite of gospel. And in a culture where there is so much energy spent telling us who is who's out, who we need to be angry with, who we need to be looking down on, who we need to be putting in their place. It is a, amazing how much energy is spent with that kind of thinking. And I, I, I keep being drawn in this passage to verse 16. It almost feels like the pinnacle of this passage where it says, I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak. But the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with justice. Which has the attitude David Adams was talking about, but it also speaks to that that call, that requirement that we be thinking about the us, the we, not just the me. And in fact, God doesn't speak very kindly of the fat and the strong who typically want to stand alone. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that I will feed them with justice mm. is a really interesting phrase. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, I, my first thought was, who's the them? And I wonder if it's both categories that God's talking about, the 
for those who are lost and injured and weak, being fed with justice is comforting. God will care for them. Yep. But those who are oppressing and strong, those who are destroying, feeding them with the same justice, I don't know exactly what that means, but I don't think I want to find out. <laughs> with a concept like shepherding, when I first saw this passage, I was like, ah, oh, I wish I understood shepherding more because it's a foreign concept. There still are shepherds, but in my life, I have not really been around shepherds or had a, a role to play in real shepherding of sheep. So the metaphor breaks down, or at least isn't as powerful, I think, as maybe it was for people back in, in that day. And Nadia Boltz-Weber has this way of taking concepts like this that seem more foreign and helping us begin to embrace them more fully. And as she writes, uh, she has a sermon where she preaches about sheep and shepherds. And this is just a little part of it that I thought might be a good closing thought for us. She goes, so like it or not, we are all, at some time or another, various kinds of sheep, because these kinds of sheep are all there is. The needy, proud, distant, rebellious, kind, vain, glorious kind of sheep are the ones who belong to the shepherd. And the shepherd loves this mess of sheep. The sheep need not believe in the shepherd, nor must we be sure that any mean of any of this means in order for the shepherd to call us his own. Because here's the truth about the shepherd. The shepherd never mentions the type of quality of sheep he demands. The shepherd never holds auditions. The shepherd never bases their protection and love and concern for their sheep on how the sheep look or feel or behave. It's never mentioned as a basis for belonging to the flock of the good shepherd. Those are just things we created as a basis for belonging because grace is just too offensive. So we've made the church into the high commission on sheep behavior and worthiness systems. But the truth about the shepherd is that despite all of this, they call us by name. We know the voice. It's always there under the clamor of insecurity and the cry of wolves and the murmurs of our own internal high commission on worthiness. The voice of the one who lays down his life for us, who lays down his love for us, rebellious and smelly sheep, is always right there saying, you belong to me. May we remember to whom we belong. And as we each show care for others, may we think first of others and mostly of those who need protection and grace and love and acceptance the most. Thank you all for this good conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Learn more about our Faith Element Bible study curriculum at faithelement.net. Faith Element is a service of Faith Lab.